know, I always give you. I give you. What do you do? You buy a new house? You move Mick in, right? Did you ask me? Is there something matter with me? I got feelings, you know. Everybody's got them, Paulie. The hell with everybody. No, maybe it's the hell with you. I don't want to listen to this crap. Come on, you talk like everybody owes you a living. Shut your mouth. Look, nobody owes nobody nothing. You owe yourself. You're wrong. Friends owe. Friends don't owe. They do because they want to do. Shut your freaking mouth. You've been keeping me down. Down? You know, you're like a crazy brother to me. You really are. So I want to tell you something. This is coming straight from the heart, Paulie. And I mean this. You ain't down. And you ain't a loser. You're just a jealous, lazy bum. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from uh, Rocky Three in tribute to Burt Young, uh, the actor who plays Polly throughout the whole the whole series of uh, of Rockies, um, who we lost on Thursday, age eighty three. Didn't list a cause of death. I think uh, being eighty three is a uh, is a is a reason. Uh, seems like uh, once you get past that age, it's uh, it's about when most people die. I think the, I think the, uh, the average lifespan of men in this country is seventy-eight, and of course, uh, two years ago, two three years ago, um, they would have listed it as COVID. Oh, Bert Young died of COVID. Put him on the statistics. Of course, he's eighty-three, and probably wasn't in very good health. Didn't look like he was in very good health even when he was young. Probably was. Um, but you remember him from all the Rocky movies, remember him from Back to School and Chinatown and a whole bunch of movies over the years um, and a lot of TV. This guy, I looked at IMDb and uh, apparently he's been working all the way up until uh, the last couple of years as well. So, uh, hey, Burt Young, uh, rest in peace, buddy. Um, that song was Matchbox 20, Unwell. You know what? I, I look at, I look at for, uh, I look for songs that I like and I look for songs that have uh, pertinent lines in there. I particularly like the line, uh, I should get some sleep because tomorrow might be good for something. And, uh, and I thought about that as I'm, uh, as I'm prepping the show. 
and I'm uh, and I'm wondering why uh, Joe Biden spent ten hours on Air Force One flying to Israel and uh, barely could keep his eyes open while he's speaking. You know, you think you think, hey, you're on a plane for ten hours. You should be able to have a few cups of coffee, get some sleep, have some coffee when you when you wake up. Maybe uh, maybe a B12 shot, maybe a blood transfusion, something. Something to, uh, hey, I'm going to be on the world stage. Everybody in the whole world is going to be seeing this. I should do something to try and stay awake or just trying to look strong. You know, we're going to go over there and show strength. I don't think that's probably in in Joe Biden's repertoire, showing strength. Um... So anyway, we're going to talk uh, talk all kinds of stuff. There's there's more than enough stuff to talk about this this week. And, and I've talked to some of you people on the on the uh, on the phone this week as you're calling in for uh, financial advice, and uh, and you guys say, hey, you know what? That's a lot of information to get in in one hour. Uh, I don't know how you do it. Well, we just pay attention to what's going on and try to summarize so i'm 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 sometimes i'm a few days behind because i'm not reporting every day but by the time the end of the week comes i can look at everything that's going on the week and kind of summarize it for you so if you miss the news if you actually have a life and you're not spending all your time in front of fox news or newsmax or uh and certainly not cnn or msnbc but you know, uh, I pop over to those now and then just to see what the other side's seeing. But if you haven't, uh, if you don't have time to follow it as closely as you'd like to, because you have a life or a job or something, um, then uh, hey, that's what the main events for. We'll keep you up to date. So uh, let me get started on that. But before I do, let me introduce introduce myself for those who don't know me. My name's Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and trust me, there's some fantastic opportunities coming in the very near future. As we'll see, uh, we'll see, we will see. You know what? I talked to uh, one of my friends, Mike Novak Smith at Remax. Um, who's a big REO agent has been for years and years and years, and uh, and he you know he's in touch with all the all the banks that are giving him listings and uh, and uh, he said that he said hey we're 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 in for another another good run here in the next year or so, and I said do you think there's going to be a bunch of foreclosures? He goes I think there's going to be a bunch of short sales, and while people are saying we're not going to have a we're not going to have a bubble that burst in uh, because in 2008 we had all those people with the uh with the stated income loans and no down payments and when the market turned um they couldn't refinance because they didn't have any equity and they really didn't have the income that they said they did when they bought it that hasn't been the case for the last 10 years but we do have people that have bought in the last in the last few years that came in with three percent three and a half percent uh down and contrary to what uh, the Biden administration tells you that Bidenomics is working. Bidenomics is not working. You're going to start seeing uh, some significant, some significant increases in unemployment. Um, there's a there's a law out there called the uh, oh I can't even think of it right now. Um, but I blasted out a couple of emails yesterday uh, to some people about it. It's uh, it's basically where if you're if you have more than a hundred employees and you're anticipating a uh, layoff of of more than fifty, you have to give your employees a sixty day notice. Well, that's a good idea. They want so people can be preparing. 
You know, I did that one time when I was uh, selling my house. Houses, I had uh, 18 houses, and I and I 1031 exchange 1031 exchange into a commercial building back in 2006. And being the all, you know, the, I could see the future. I said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I don't know which 15 I'm going to sell. I have 18 of them. I actually thought I was going to sell 12, but the market turned while I was in the middle of it, and I had to sell 15. Um, and plus, you know, some of my renters moved out and, you know, left the houses not quite the same condition as they were when they moved in. And uh, and I, so I sent a letter to all my, all my uh, renters, and I said, hey, I'm buying a commercial building. I'm going to sell the majority of my houses, I'm not sure which ones, but I wanted to give you guys heads up. So if you guys want to buy the house, even if I wasn't considering selling that one, I'll sell it to you and you know, you guys have opportunity. And what do you think happened? Everybody found a place to move. And so for three months, I had 13 empty houses, no, no rents coming in while I was still making mortgage payments. So um, so I don't know where this this law that uh, makes employers have to give heads up on a on a big layoff, the Warn Act, um, and it's uh, and it's so uh, so all your employees can have a have a short time or attitude for sixty days before you lay them off. So, uh, but apparently we don't care about employers because making money is such an evil thing in this country. But uh, but the war the Warn Act the the warnings. The warnings of the 60-day notices went up gigantic last week. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to start to see people uh, leaving their jobs, and we're going to see them actually get laid off. So the uh, those are coming, and, uh, and as the people are losing their jobs, you're going to see people losing their houses, and they'll sell them because they have some equity. Um, but the ones that put a lot, lot less down – you know, that made the, the minimum downs, they may be doing short sales. So those opportunities will come up. There's opportunities on the horizon. And of course, as soon as we get rid of that sprig of broccoli in the White House and start drilling for oil and doing things that uh, intelligent presidents do and intelligent cabinets do, um, you'll see the economy improve, rates come down, price of gas come down, price of utilities come down, uh, all of the above. And when that happens... You should be ready if you want to take advantage of it. So uh, if you need financing on properties that you own, properties you'd like to own, properties in California, properties out of California, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you uh, don't want to talk on the phone, but you do want to get some information, but you want to kind of be more anonymous, go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, um, uh, fill in the fill in the info, info tell me how much information uh, you want back, give me as much information as you want to give me and you hear back from one of my one of my teammates or myself and uh, sometimes you hear from one of my teammates and then you hear from me as well and uh, we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle um, if there's anything on the show that you missed or you want to replay or you just uh, miss it one week uh, stay on at hoffman.net click on the podcast page you can hear this show as well as several past shows you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe for free have it download to your uh, your device your computer, your phone, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your computer, whatever you listen to podcasts on and uh, listen to it on demand whenever it's convenient for you. If you have comments on the show, send me an email 
to ed at edhoffman.net. So let's get started on what's been going on this week. It's been two weeks since Kevin McCarthy gave up the speaker's gavel, and one week since Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana withdrew himself from consideration for the speakership. What happened to Steve Scalise? He'd been on the cusp of claiming it last week until a band of Jim Jordan supporters refused to switch their allegiance. Some claimed it was because they felt Scalise's health would interfere with the job, which he is fighting cancer, and I would probably agree with that. Um, While others called him too status quo and too much of a McCarthy ally, that group blocked Scalise's path to getting close to the 217 votes he would need. After that, it seemed Jordan's path would be clear for the votes, right? Wrong. Wrong. You know, uh, as a strong Republican, all you Republicans out there that are uh, elected in office, I'm telling you, you are embarrassing us. You guys can't get together for anything. The Speaker of the House is not the President of the United States. Um, It's a guy who leads the meeting and knows how to negotiate. And, you know, you all negotiate in committees, but then when it comes down to it, when you're one-on-one with with you and the president and a couple other people, you need to be able to stand firm. That's where McCarthy lost it. But this is not the president, the president of the United States. There were three rounds of votes this week on Jordan. Uh, but until it gets, but until all this stuff gets worked out, Patrick McHenry of, of, uh, of North Carolina will remain the interim speaker. So let's go back to when the voting started on Tuesday morning when House Republican Conference Chair Elise Stefanik of New York formerly nominated Jordan for speaker. Jim Jordan will be America's speaker for such a time as this. A time when hardworking American families are struggling under the vice of inflation, not able to afford groceries, heat, or gas because of the trillions and trillions of dollars of reckless spending by failed far-left government. A time when millions are being illegally trafficked and smuggled across our southern and northern borders due to the catastrophic and inhumane wide open borders of Joe Biden. A time when violent crime is skyrocketing across America, destroying our great cities, suburbs, and small towns. Let's elect Jim Jordan, our Speaker of the People's House, for such a time as this. And I yield back. Yeah, it was a good speech. Could have been made by any one of 81 million people who voted for Trump in 2020. And uh, any of the honest Democrats in this country that are having buyer's remorse um, doesn't improve, doesn't uh, doesn't include uh, my sister um, or any of the other ones that don't have uh, all their brains stuck in. Or, you know what? You know, I tell my sister, hey, for someone with so much education, you sure aren't very smart. Um, but anyway, then came the first vote when Jordan fell short of the speakership by 20 votes. And if you remember, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in the next couple next couple notes here I have here. The final tally was 200 votes for Jordan, 212 for minority leader Hakeem Jeffries, and we'll hear the Democrats not nominating him in a minute. Votes for other Republicans besides Jordan included seven votes for Steve Scalise, six votes for Kevin McCarthy, and seven votes for other candidates, including one who left Congress earlier this year to run for governor of New York, Lee Zeldin. A few of the 20 Republicans who voted against Jordan on the first round, most of which are not uh, big names, but a few you'll recognize, Anthony D. Esposito of New York, Tony Gonzalez of Texas, 
Kay Granger of Texas, uh, Ken Buck of Colorado, uh, and Victoria Sparts of Indiana voted for Thomas Massey of Kentucky. Um, one vote he got. Um, and you'll remember that uh, Victoria Sparts is the is the Ukrainian uh, Congress lady who. Uh, who went off on uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland and uh, did an awesome job. Um, Jordan Jordan halted the second vote Tuesday evening while he scrambled behind the scenes trying to win over those 20 uh, Republicans. Meanwhile, Hakeem Jeffries was working with the same 20 Republicans trying to get them to vote for him. Jim Jordan is the poster child for MAGA extremism. He is a clear and present danger to our democracy. There are many good men and women on the Republican side of the aisle who are qualified to be the speaker of the House of Representatives. There is no circumstance where Jim Jordan is one of them. Yeah, well, uh, I thought Jim Jordan should have been the uh, the nominee in January because I thought, I thought uh, Kevin McCarthy was not tough enough was not a tough enough negotiator, and of course, it turned out that I was right. And uh, actually, when he started bringing up all the investigations after he became speaker, I was really surprised and thought, "Hey, wow, maybe I'm wrong about him." But then, uh, in negotiations on the uh, the limit grow save bill that the Republicans passed and uh, turned into the uh, Inflation Reduction Act or it's, uh, the Inflation uh, Increase Act. Um, he he fell he fell far short of expectations and uh, turned his back on uh, on the Republicans who had faith in him. Um, Jeffrey has also had a surrogate in AOC, uh, who's trying to mobilize Americans to influence the way their representatives vote on this. Um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez tweets out. If you don't want Jim Jordan to be speaker, make sure you contact your rep today about it, especially if you're in Westchester, Hudson Valley, Catskills, Long Island, and beyond. We can help you do that here, and she puts a link to uh, to get so you can look up your uh, the phone number of your congressman. If you even know who your congressman is, surprisingly, uh, you know, I know that my, my uh, congressman is uh, the first Gaijin, uh, as he calls himself, Mark DeCano, who is a complete waste of space and uh but apparently most of the people out there don't even know who their congressman is and for that reason i think hey there should be some it should be harder to vote in this country you should have to make an effort not just mail you a ballot and say so someone can come say hey hey, you know i'll give you a starbucks gift card if you let us vote it for you okay i don't really care you know for those people they shouldn't have a vote and, of course, uh, there was a formal nomination for Jeffries as well. Doing the honors was Inland Empire's own, the pride of Redlands, Democrat Caucus Chair Pete Aguilar. We are here because this hallowed chamber has been led to a breaking point by two dangerous forces, extremism and partisanship. A vote today to make the architect of a nationwide abortion ban, a vocal election denier, and an insurrection insider to the Speaker of this House would be a terrible message to the country and our allies. We're talking about someone who has spent his entire career trying to hold our country back, putting our national security in danger, attempting government shutdown after government shutdown, wasting taxpayer dollars on baseless investigations with dead ends, authoring the very bill that would ban abortion nationwide without exceptions. 
and inciting violence on this chamber. Even leaders of his own party have called him a legislative terrorist. Yeah, is he actually is he actually even nominating Jeffries here? He's just uh, making an attack on uh, on Jim Jordan. Aguilar orchestrated quite a performance. Listen to the Democrat House Choir in the background on this part of his speech. When New Yorkers recovering from Hurricane Sandy needed Congress to act, he said no. When wildfires ravaged the West, destroying homes and businesses, and those residents needed disaster assistance, he said no. When the Mississippi River floods devastated the South and communities across state lines needed Congress to act, he said no. When our veterans were suffering from disease and dying as a result of their service to our country and Congress passed a bipartisan solution, he said no. When our ally in Ukraine looked to Congress for additional support to help defeat Putin, he said no. And just before Hamas's brutal terrorist attack on Israel, he said no to fully funding military aid for our ally. To fulfill our obligations to the American people, we have no choice today but to vote for a leader of both character and conviction. Only Hakeem Jeffries can be trusted to keep his word. Only Hakeem Jeffries can lead us out of the chaos and towards a path of governance. It brings me immense pride to nominate our friend, the Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, as speaker. Yeah, only Hakeem Jeffries can keep his word to help uh, Joe Biden uh, destroy the American empire and, uh, and further our path down the toilet. This Wednesday, uh, four additional Republicans joined the growing opposition to Jordan, while two holdouts from Tuesday, Doug LaMalfa of California and the aforementioned Victoria Sparts of Indiana, actually switched their vote to Jim Jordan. That meant Jordan lost the second round by 22 votes. Remember, he could only afford to lose four. That's why this is such an uphill battle. Just like it was for Kevin McCarthy back in January, it took 15 rounds of voting to confirm Kevin McCarthy as speaker. But when Kevin was doing it, it seemed like each round he got a little bit closer, got a little bit closer. Then Thursday morning, Jordan announced he would not seek an additional vote, and he backed the plan to give Patrick McHenry additional powers as temporary speaker. And it looked like that was in stone eh, for all of six hours. The New York Times reported Thursday afternoon that Jordan had spent the rest of the day in a contentious closed-door meeting of Republicans where his backers demanded he fight on. Jordan then said this. We made the pitch to um, members on the resolution as a way to lower the temperature and get back to work. Uh, We decided that wasn't where we're going to go. I'm still running for speaker, and I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race. But will he get those votes? From Washington Post on Thursday, numerous House Republicans, including those who have blocked Jordan, are privately admitting that Jordan will never get the votes to become Speaker. Then Friday morning, we came full circle for the week with none other than Kevin McCarthy stepping up to nominate Jim Jordan himself. He started off the speech with a zinger for Pete Aguilar. Mr. Aguilar has a whopping one whole bill signed into law. A post office in San Bernardino. I guess that's good enough to be caucus chair. Jim Jordan, on the other hand, 
has a hand in drafting bills like the RAINS Act to curb unaccountable bureaucrats. He helped negotiate and pass H.R. 2, the strongest border security bill this House has ever passed. <laughs> Democrats are attacking Jim because they don't want the American people to remember that they voted against securing and keeping a wide open border. They may not want the American public to know the number of people we catch on the terrorist watch list. They may not want people to know what the future holds and the security for our nation based upon their policies. Name me one bill Democrats passed that would secure our border. I'm waiting. You can't because they haven't. Great speech, Kevin. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Stick it back in, in uh, Pete Aguilar's face. You know, Democrats are just ignorant buttheads out there saying stuff that, you know, that's what they look for. Hey, get little, uh, get little uh, clips there that they can th- throw on the news and you can just rub in, in uh, the misinformed and uninformed low-information voters so they can say, oh, yeah, but Kevin Mc- uh, but uh, Jim Jordan voted for this. He said he just said no on this and he just said no on that. They don't have any context or any, any actual information of what really happened, but they got the sound clips. Hey, so I'm all out of time for this half of the main event, so uh, stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and we will have the second half on uh, what's going on in the Middle East. But I'm not crazy, I'm just a little unwell, I know, right now you can't tell, but stay a while and maybe then you'll see a different side of me. I'm not crazy, I'm just a little impaired, I know, right now you don't care, but soon you're gonna think of me and how I used to be. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing, but I uh, suspect over the coming months and the coming year, there will be lots to talk about. Great opportunities. If, uh, if you're not sure if you're ready and if you're thinking that uh, you want to be when the opportunity hits, uh, call me toll free at 855 640 uh, or go to ed click on the United American mortgage logo and, uh, we'll do the cyber thing and, uh, dial you in from where you are to where you want to be, where you should be, um, where you, uh, can improve your position money wise. Um, Hey, in the first half, I forgot to, uh, I, I was talking about, uh, Kevin McCarthy's speech and apparently the uh, the final vote the final vote on Friday was uh, Jordan was down 25 so he went from down 20 to down 22 to down 25 um, the last I've heard as of recording time is that uh, they're gonna be working over the weekend and try it again on Monday um, you know I'm just it's it's embarrassing that the Republicans can't get it together together they can't you know it's it's hard it's hard to, to get uh, you know, 10 people that will agree on what's for lunch. Um, hey, let's let's all go send one person to get lunch. Oh, let's have pizza. No, I want burgers. No, I want a El Pollo Loco. No, I want... And to get 217 of them, you would think, given the importance of what's going on and what they are doing, you'd think they say, hey, Jim Jordan's fine. Steve Scalise is fine. Somebody, 
Just put somebody in there. Put Kevin McCarthy back if you have to. I mean, I don't really want Kevin McCarthy back there, but you know what? Uh, maybe Kevin McCarthy could be uh, uh, given some. Uh, given maybe this would give him a, a, a life lesson that maybe he'd be a little bit tougher and not be Mister Mister. Let's let's be nice to each other when he's in the the White House with Biden and uh, and Chuck Schumer and uh, you know the turtle and uh, and Hakeem Jeffries. Well, I don't want these guys to not like me. So, okay, I'll agree to 10% of what the Republicans wanted. All right. Well, that doesn't work. So anyway, let's talk about uh, let's talk about what's going on in uh, the Middle East now. The Israel-Gaza war continues this week with around 3,500 people killed and millions trapped. Uh, Hamas, the Islamic terror group that controls Gaza, has taken at least 200 hostages, mostly Israeli, but at least a dozen Americans are believed to be among the hostages, as well as well in addition to the 30 we believe to be dead. As of Friday morning, Hamas uh, announced that they released two Americans, and uh, and just a few minutes ago, as a few minutes before I went to uh, the microphone, um, Israel confirmed that it's a mother daughter a mother and daughter uh, that were released um, that are over there in Israel. I'm not sure if they're living in Israel or if they're visiting on a trip, um, but they were actually released. Um, I'm sure it was Biden's strong visit that made them scared. We better release these guys because Biden said, don't, don't, don't. Apparently, Cutter is the one who's negotiating in there, but, you know, it could have been, uh, but it's that don't, don't, don't thing that scared him, I'm sure. Since October 7th terror attack where Hamas killed 1,400 people, Israel has vowed to wipe out Hamas. But the ground war hadn't officially started yet. The turmoil this week centered around an attack on on Tuesday uh, when hundreds were killed per Hamas. Hundreds were killed by an airstrike on Al Ali Baptist Hospital, the last Christian hospital in Gaza. Israel asserts that the attack was from a homemade misfired Islamic Jihad rocket, which may have been intended to kill even more. Palestinian officials, of course, are saying it was an airstrike from Israel, and the vast majority of the Arab world is believing them. Of course, uh, would be easy to confirm, since uh, if it was a misfired missile, it would probably hit the side of the building, and if it was an Israeli bomb, it would have come in through the ceiling, you know, coming from the sky. You would think, and of course, there would be lots of other lots of other indications. But you know, when the when the Arabs get on there, the Palestinian people get on there and put out the uh, put out the, uh, the you know whoever puts out the statement first. They're always right, so they know. Just like Democrats, hey, before you catch us doing what we're doing, let's accuse the Republicans of doing it. Hey, uh, you know uh, Hillary Clinton uh, colluding with the with the Russians and creating a false narrative. Let's get out there and uh, and accuse uh, Trump of colluding with the Russians, and let's waste millions and millions of the taxpayer dollars, and let's let's waste four years with a good president in office. And uh, make him fight for his uh, for his own reputation, um, and it's and it's no different. It's no different in the Middle East. The Palestinians, the uh, the Islamic uh, the Islamic force out there that just wants the good guys to look bad, no different than Democrats here. Um, as we'll talk as we go through this uh, half the main event, our government 
has officially gone on record that Israel is not responsible for the deadly blast, including Joe Biden when meeting with Bibi Netanyahu, barely keeping his eyes, his eyes open. His remarks, which he read off a piece of paper in his lap, the President of the United States referred to a terrorist organization, Hamas, as the other team just before he fell off to sleep. I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we've got, a lot, we've got to overcome a lot of things. And it also means encouraging life-saving uh, capacity to help the Palestinians who are innocent caught in the middle of this. Israel, as they respond to these attacks, it seems to me that uh, have to continue to ensure that you have what you need to defend yourselves. And uh, we're going to make sure that occurs, as you know. And we have to also bear in mind that Hamas does not represent all the Palestinian people. And uh, it has brought them only suffering. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, voices telling me that I should get some sleep because tomorrow might be good for something. Maybe they should have played that song over to uh, Joe Biden while he was on Air Force One for 10 hours. Um, you know, hey, get some sleep. And at least an hour before you land in Israel, uh, wake up and get yourself a blood transfusion, a B12 shot or, uh, you know, three or four cups of coffee. Do something so you, at least you're, hey, you're going on the world stage. You're trying to, you're not accomplishing anything, but you're trying to make this symbolic visit. You're only going to be there for a few hours, but uh, make sure that you at least look like you're awake. You're trying to show strength. Do whatever, whatever you can to make you look stronger because that's just not natural to Joe Biden. Uh, what we just heard at the end just before he fell asleep was Biden lecturing Netanyahu about not punishing Palestinian civilians, which is why Bibi, Bibi uh, Netanyahu agreed to stop blocking humanitarian aid to Gaza. And, of course, uh, Netanyahu uh, could have just uh, listened to Matt Brown uh, on uh, Sandals Church uh, in his sermon this past weekend. And where uh, where and I'm sure every other church was talking about this as well, but talking about, hey, let's pray for Netanyahu to have some restraint and uh, and not and think about the implications of what he's doing before he goes out and uh, attacks, attacks Palestine. And of course, and of course. My question to him was, uh, you know what? Hey, they just they just uh, came in and cut off your cut off your kids' heads and raped your wife before they killed her. How much restraint can you have? How much restraint can you have? And and he agreed, he agreed. And um, you know, it's it's tough, it's tough to make to put ourselves in their place, and it's tough to think about leadership. And that's why it's so important that we have people in our government that are leaders that think clearly. You know, uh when when George Bush was hearing about the 9/11 uh attacks and you saw him sitting there listening to kids speak while he while he didn't act like he was paying attention to kids, he, he looked kind of like he's pondering what's going on in his, in his head and trying not to panic. You know, that's that's imp- that's so important that leaders actually use their brains 
and uh, turn the brain on, you know, at least a, at least for a few minutes before you turn your mouth on. And uh, and I always said I always say that people when they're getting their uh, concealed uh, concealed carry uh, to be able to carry guns that the class before you go shoot to qualify for this the class is the most important part because you need to think you have to use your brain when you're carrying a gun and and when you're in a situation before you draw your weapon you don't draw your weapon unless you're intending on on pulling the trigger and you don't and 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 you have to think about the whole situation and and they say hey you know what you're there to protect yourself and your loved ones and keep anybody else from harm. Um, you're not a cop. You're not obligated to to engage when you see something, but you have the right to protect yourself. And it's the same thing with our leaders. They have to look at the look at all sides. I talked to my friend Shrek, uh, Byron Sullivan, and he had some uh, some interesting insights on on the whole Middle East and how. Uh, how Iran is supporting Hamas, but Iran doesn't even like Hamas. You know, they're not the they're not the they're not the Shia like the people in Iran are, um, and the Hezbollah is. So what they're doing is they're is they're giving these hired goons to go in there and attack, so that Israel can go defend themselves down south while uh, preparing Hezbollah to come in from the north. And uh, and you know you got to look at all the different sides to the to this whole thing. And I just don't think our government is equipped to handle this. And uh, it's scary. It's scary. Uh, meanwhile, Biden is pledging $100 million in humanitarian aid for Palestine. Republican primary candidates like Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, and Nikki Haley are calling it Biden's $100 million gift to Hamas. The White House says that the aid will be cut off if it gets info that Hamas that the money gets uh, into the Hamas's hand. Yeah, that's what they said two weeks earlier when they said, uh, "Hey, we're releasing, we're giving a, we're giving a uh, an exception to the uh, to the freeze on their assets of six billion dollars, so they can't use it for uh, terrorism. We're going to make an exception to that, and but they're only allowed to use it for humanitarian aid, food and medicine." course uh we know hey we gave them six billion dollars in their left pocket and uh so they can't use that for anything but food and medicine but in their right pocket they have a whole bunch of other money that they had earmarked for food and medicine so now that's freed up so we can spend that on terrorism so uh biden thinks if you just be nice to terrorists they'll be nice to us that just doesn't work um, Biden's visit was cut short to seven and a half hours because of the hospital blast. And if they had any common sense, they would have never left the, left the ground since the uh, hospital blast uh, went off a few hours before Biden actually lifted off to go to, uh, to Israel. And, of course, he was supposed to meet uh, with, in Jordan with a bunch of the leaders. And, uh, and the Arab leaders who continued to believe Israel was responsible for the hospital attack responded by canceling their planned summit with Biden in Jordan. A clear signal they have no respect for the United States under this president. And my comments are, why would they? Why would they have any respect for him? He's not strong. He projects weakness, and people don't respect weakness. Meanwhile, ill-informed young, Ill-informed young Americans have decided to protest what they think 
is Israel's genocide in Palestine. Here are some of the snippets of the protest and pro-Israel students who appeared on Fox News this week reacting to the insanity. Israel, you can't hide! It's a resistance. It's a resistance movement, and we need to stand behind it. Hamas sometimes does take extremist approach, but we need to understand why. And Israel, what do you say? Israel, what do you say? How many kids did you kill today? How many kids did you kill today? This has been just a despicable display of propaganda, which is leading to Jew hatred on our college campuses. It's rampant. It's dangerous. College campuses are so scary right now. Jewish and Israeli students genuinely don't feel safe going to class. And these students don't know what they're saying, and they're just fomenting hatred. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Hamas is a resistance movement. We should stand behind them. What are they resisting? Israel's not attacking them. Like uh, Dennis Prager has often said, and I've heard a few other people say it, but I think they stole it from Dennis. Um, you know, if, if Hamas laid down their weapons, there'd be peace in that whole region for the, forever. If Israel laid down their weapons, they'd all be dead because Hamas and all the terrorists and all the Muslims want the Jewish people dead. And, uh, you know, how do you how do you uh, how do you make peace with that? Hey, you know, we're we're here and everybody that's around us wants us dead. What should we do? Uh, but is it any wonder that young people are so misled? The members of Congress they look up to are flat out lying about who caused the attack and fueling anti-Semitism. Elon Nur Said Elmi, also known as Elon Omar, who came into this country illegally and then married her brother so that, uh, so that he could get into this country illegally, and no one's doing a damn thing about it. It's, it's well documented, um, but her, her wisdom is... Bombing a hospital, and we know she's from Somalia, and we know she's Muslim. Bombing a hospital is among the gravest of war crimes. The IDF reportedly blowing up one of the few places the injured and wounded can seek medical treatment and shelter during a war is horrific. At POTUS needs to push for an immediate ceasefire and end this slaughter. Really? Okay, Rashida Taliban, I mean Rashida Tlaib of Michigan... Um, Israel just bombed the Baptist hospital, killing 500 Palestinians, doctors, children, patients, just like that. At POTUS, this is what happens when you refuse to facilitate a ceasefire and help de-escalate. Your war and destruction only, your war and destruction only approach has opened my eyes and many Palestinian Americans and Muslim Americans like me. We will remember where you stood. Oh my God. These two crazy, crazily uh, anti-Americans should be deported. Send them back to the countries they love, because they sure as hell don't love America. You know, like every every congressperson and every senator and every person who's serving our country should at least love the country they're in. Former Israeli ambassador to the UN, Danny Dannon, who is now chairman of Israel's conservative Likud party, was asked by Fox's John Roberts about whether the overwhelming evidence showing Israel was not responsible for the hospital attack has prompted an apology from Arab world or from anyone. He named so-called leaders like Rashida Tlaib as being part of the problem. John, it's not only the Arab world, even the UN itself. Uh, until now, I haven't seen that the Secretary General changed his tweet about what happened. Uh, and he still sticks with the false uh, uh, allegations against Israel. 
leave aside Rashida Talib who blamed us. I haven't seen any apology coming from her uh, Twitter account. So basically we have no expectations from them. But at the Capitol protest on Wednesday, which looked like an insurrection to me, they should have been arresting these people like January 6th. But of course, these are Democrats. Um, Talib doubled down on the lie that the hospital attack came from Israel, and she addressed the president directly. And so I'm telling you right now, President Biden, not all America's with you on this one. And you need to wake up and understand that. We are literally, literally watching people commit genocide and killing a vast majority just like this and we still stand by and say nothing we will remember this but all of you you need to know i swear to god you are on the right side of history you are i love it when a when a uh, american congressperson uh swears on a law uh in a speech here you know what this is america lady and as well as we all heard on Thursday night, Biden wants to wants Congress to approve an unprecedented aid package for more than one hundred billion dollars for both Israel and Ukraine. Wait a minute, what does any of this have to do with, do with Ukraine? In a week where Israel is under attack from all angles, the president still wants Americans to make Ukraine the highest priority. Now, early this morning, I returned from Israel. They tell me I'm the first American president to travel there during the war. I met with the prime minister and members of his cabinet. And most movingly, I met with Israelis who had personally lived through horrific horror of the attack by Hamas on the 7th of October. I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of Palestinian life, including the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, which was not done by the Israelis. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy and brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine. On Ukraine, I'm asking Congress to make sure we can continue to send Ukraine the weapons they need to defend themselves and their country without interruption so Ukraine can stop Putin's brutality in Ukraine. They are succeeding. When Putin invaded Ukraine, he thought he would take Kyiv and all of Ukraine in a matter of days. Well, over a year later, Putin has failed. What would happen if we walked away? We are the essential nation. Let me be clear about something. We send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles. And when we use the money allocated by Congress, we use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment. Equipment that, def that defends America and is made in America. Patriot missiles for air defense batteries made in Arizona. Artillery shells manufactured in 12 states across the country in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, and so much more. You know, just as in World War II, today patriotic American workers are building the arsenal of democracy. We cannot and will not let terrorists like Hamas and tyrants like Putin win. I refuse to let that happen. In moments like these, we have to remind, we have to remember who we are. We are the United States of America. The United States of America. So clearly Biden wants us to, to say, hey, you know what, since... Uh, we're not really giving money to uh, Ukraine. We're giving money to America because we give them our arsenal of, uh, of weapons and we use that use the money to replace ours. Of course, that means for a certain period of time, we don't have any because we gave them all to Ukraine. And that should make us all feel good about it. I, for one, 
Um, I got a, a month reprieve because my taxes are my taxes were ready to file, and we got a month reprieve for some 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 uh, uh, disaster we had in California. Was that Hurricane Hillary that made it rain for like thirty minutes? And uh, so they gave everybody in California an extra month to file their taxes. Well, I think it's completely stupid. And of course, uh, you you heard Janet Yellen go on TV and say. We have the money to afford another war. We have the money. You got you are you guys are just idiots. We don't have the money to afford anything. Cuz we're giving it all to illegals and we're giving it all to Ukraine and of course uh the problem with uh with uh giving too much money to Israel is that Bibi Netanyahu won't give any of it back to the Bidens. So out of that 105 billion dollars um that he that he sent the bill to Congress on Friday morning and it's asking for 105 billion dollars. 61 billion is for Ukraine. 14.3 billion is for Israel. Why didn't he give more money to Israel to stop that war? Because uh, we've already given 75 billion dollars to Ukraine. I don't understand where the uh, where the connection is there. Oh yeah, we forgot because uh, the more money he gives to Ukraine, the more money goes back to the Biden family through all those LLCs that uh, we heard uh, um, exposed through the uh, House Oversight Committee um, in the last in the last few weeks. But apparently nothing's going on with that yet. I don't know. I just know that I have to write write a little over uh, two hundred thousand dollars to the IRS and to the uh, and to the state of California. And while I feel blessed that I made enough money that I have to pay this much in taxes, it angers me to no end to have to write that check and see it's all going to Ukraine. It's going for illegal aliens. It's going for it's going to to other countries. And so it can filter back into Bob Menendez's uh, pocket for uh, money going to Egypt and back into the Biden family pocket for money going to Ukraine. If it, you know, and I'm sure that a lot of you don't have to write a check that big, but whether you write a check for anything, that should, that should, if you're not, if you're not ticked off about this, check your pulse. You might be dead. So 61 billion for Ukraine, 14.3 billion for Israel, 2 billion for Taiwan. What's going on in Taiwan? I don't know, but $2 billion going there, 6.4 billion for our border. 6.4 billion for our border. That's the most important part, but we only got that little piece. And nine billion dollars for humanitarian aid. You know what? Apparently, uh, that doesn't add up to 105,000. We're about 10 billion dollars short. But uh, you know what? It reminds me of a scene from uh, No Country for Old Men. Look, you got to give me this money. I got no other reason to protect you. It's too late. I spent it. About a million and a half on whores and whiskey, and the rest of it just sort of blew it in. Yeah, a uh, million and a half on whores and whiskey, and I blew the rest. Sounds like Hunter Biden is uh, spending the money and uh, accounting for it all. Hey, anyway, I'm a lot of time for this episode of the main event, so uh, keep your eyes open, keep your brain turned on, and uh, thanks for listening. I'll be back again with you next week. <laughs>